is this Jesus, son of God, son of man? His words prevail around the globe, spanning centuries, cities, knowing no sphere of influence? He needed no platform for his words to gain notice. He's the most influential, controversial figure to have ever walked the earth, the most interesting man to ever live and die and live again. Why is he so talked about, so sought after, so loved, yet so disliked? And how does his life impact your life? As we look back at the life and words of Jesus, we'll discover the life that we were designed to live. Well, hello, City First Church. How are we doing today? Awesome. I want to take a second and just greet all of our City First locations, City First Anywhere, online, Cape Coral, and can we give it up for our God Behind Bars crew? And of course, our Spring Creek and State Line locations who are in the house. Whew. That was a little emotional. Sorry. Come back here. All right, this month, you guys, you know, we are in this series called Vintage Jesus. How many of you have enjoyed this series? It's been amazing. I have learned so much. I know that I've been challenged and that I've grown, and I'm sure you have as well. And in this series, we are asking, who was and is this Jesus? He is the most dynamic person to have ever walked the face of the earth. He lived 2,000 years ago. He claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be God. And we are still talking about him, think about that, still talking about him today, 2,000 years later, and billions have believed that he is God. So who is this Jesus? Who is he? Well, the best way to understand Jesus is to look at his words, his actions, and his stories. And we've been diving into those in this series. These are called parables. And the story we are going to read today is a very famous parable, okay? But this is the deal, all right? And I say this almost every time I preach when I talk about a famous passage. Let's not lose the impact of the story. Let's see it today with new eyes and let's hear it with new ears. And we'll be diving into the story. It's found in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And it is the story of the Good Samaritan, one of my favorites. It says this, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. 
He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. At the beginning of this story, which it's not in what we just read, Jesus is actually sitting down with 72 of his followers, and the scripture infers that as he's talking about something else, he is interrupted by an expert in the law who is wanting to test Jesus. And this happens a lot in scripture, where all of a sudden Jesus is just interrupted, and you kind of get this, like, how rude feeling, right? You're like, come on, this is the Son of God, and he's being interrupted, and he asks him a question. He's says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds, what do you think, Mr. Smarty Pants expert? That's what Jesus says, exact words. And the man answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, ding, 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 you answered correctly, right? Do this. What does he say? Do this, I love this, and you will live. Do this, and you will live. If you want to know what City First Church is all about, this is it. Loving God and loving people. That's it. Do you guys know this, that we are just a bunch, every single one of us watching online or in the room, we are just a bunch of normal, everyday people who have met Jesus, and he has changed us. And our response to him is simply to love him and then to love our neighbors. That's it. That's what we're all about. And so as the story goes on, the expert thinks he's kind of on a roll. He's like, I answered a question. I look good in front of this person. And so he asked another question. And when he asked this question, he's actually meaning to kind of justify himself and make himself look good again. He asked Jesus, right? He says, well, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus proceeds to tell us the story about the man who's on his way from, you know, Jerusalem to Jericho, and he's left in attack. He's attacked by robbers, and then he's left for dead. So I want to talk about the man for a second, the traveler, the man who is on his journey, the man who gets robbed. Why was he headed to Jericho? Whenever you read scripture, you guys, I want you to kind of help put yourself in the story. Be like, wonder, like, what was happening in this story? Now, obviously, this is a parable, but I still like to do that, you know? So why was this man headed to Jericho? Was he on business? Was he going to close a deal? Was he going to to visit some family? Was he meeting up with some friends? Was Jericho his final stop, or was he just passing on through Jericho? We're not really sure. We don't know. But Jesus says this, that he was traveling. Do you guys know this? that everyone is a traveler in this life. Everyone is a traveler in this life. Every single person we see is on a journey. 
Most people, you know, as with anybody, if, if you start out on a journey, you start out hopeful. You're like, okay, I'm gonna, we're going somewhere, this is gonna be fun, and life starts out that way. We start out hopeful. We're like, yes, I'm gonna go somewhere, I'm gonna be someone, I'm gonna do something. But oftentimes, more times than we care to admit, life happens. Things don't go as planned. There is a hiccup or an earthquake, <laughs> right? Something big that happens that throws us off course. Maybe there's a divorce. Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe job loss. Maybe the passing of a loved one. Most people, listen, most people in desperate situations didn't wake up one morning hoping that their life would end up in the ditch. They don't. And can we all be honest, every single one of us have some elements of brokenness in our lives. And so the abused and broken traveler lies on the path and he's left for dead. And then Jesus talks about three more travelers that happen upon this man. And I want you to think about this. Here's this man, he's been beaten, he's been left for dead. And three times, three times, he hears the shuffle of sandals coming towards him. And there's a sense of hope that rises up in him, thinking maybe somebody's gonna help, but the first two people, who are a priest and a Levite, they're the spiritual people, what happens? They pass by. Jesus, like Jesus often did, is hitting on a nerve here, okay? Because he's talking about how the spiritual people are the ones that pass by on the other side. Now I want to paint a picture for you guys. This is not a huge road. This is not like a big highway where he's, you know, the travelers and the priest and the Levite are going, well, I wonder if that's a person who's like, like left half dead over there. No, no, no. This was more like a walking path. Think of yourself as like walking in like a trail or something like that. It was a skinnier path. And so in order for these men to pass by the man who was half dead, guess what he probably had to do? Step over the man to keep going by. Step over the man to keep going by. So the travelers, they come upon the man and they see him. That's what scripture says. It says that they see him. That inference there, see, is not just to physically see. It means that they perceived what was happening. They knew what was happening. They had knowledge of what was before them. It was in their face. And then they chose to pass by. Can I tell you that it is our heart that collectively as a church and us individually that we would be people who do not pass by. That we would not pass by in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our world. That we won't step over people or needs who are in our path. This is why we do food distributions, <laughs> right? During COVID, we happened upon a need. And in instead of choosing to step over it and move beyond, we said, what can we do to help with this? Now listen, as a church, we cannot meet every need that we come upon, but this is where the beauty of the church fleshes out because the church is not a building. It's not us collectively. Guess what? It's us as individuals. If all of us chose to not just step by what we see, what would happen in our neighborhoods, in our communities, things would change. 
we as individuals can meet the needs that we encounter and in turn we can love our neighbors. So my question is to another one of these things I asked as I read the story is why did they pass by? What was going on in their mind as they decided to take the step over? Were they tired? Maybe they were always working with people and they were like, okay, you know what? Nobody's around. They're not going to see if I just step by. It's probably not going to make it anyway. So I'm just going to head on out. Maybe they thought he's too far gone. Maybe they didn't, you know, know how to take care of him. They're like, I don't know what to do here because that happens, right? Maybe they thought it's going to be too much work. I don't have time. Maybe there were certain rules that said priests, or there were certain rules back then that said that priests couldn't touch dead people. So what is, was it a religious rule that kept them from helping? How many times have religious rules kept us from extending a hand? Whatever the reason, as these spiritual people were journeying, they happened upon this man and they saw his need and they passed by. But then, the unlikely hero of the story shows up. Do you guys know this? That God loves unlikely heroes. Unlikely hero is just normal, everyday person. People, nudge your neighbor and say, you are a normal, everyday, unlikely hero. You are. I love unlikely heroes. You're saying way more than that right now. This is the one, the Samaritan, who showed mercy. The one whom at the end of the story, remember, Jesus says, go and do what? Likewise. Likewise. He's our final traveler. And he was a Samaritan, unlikely hero. He didn't come from the right pedigree, all right? And here in this story, Jesus is speaking to a crowd of Jewish people, knowing that here's the deal. The Jewish and the Samaritan people hated each other. They hated each other. There was animosity on both sides. And the fact that he made the Samaritan man the hero of this story probably didn't settle real well with the crowd. Here's Jesus again, right? Hitting another nerve. <laughs> he is speaking to the crowd's bias, their ingrained mindsets. Ultimately, he is saying the term neighbor, listen here, the term neighbor is way broader than you think. And the message is still the same for us today. Neighbor is way broader than we think. So we have our Samaritan, our unlikely hero. And what's he doing? It says, and I read it kind of like with emphasis when I read it, it says, as he traveled. As he traveled. He's traveling. He came upon where the man was. And I want to free us Free us today, okay, of the pressure of trying to figure out what to do and who to help. Because really, it's not that difficult. See, we make it way too complicated. We stress about it. We question ourselves. Should I help this person? Should I not? We take a year to pray about it. And then, you know, here's the deal, though. As you are traveling throughout your days, you will happen upon needs. Trust me, you don't have to worry about going to find the needs. Your path will cross them. Your path will cross them. You will be confronted with needs. Some will be small and some will be large. You know, as you're dropping your kids off at school, as you are helping a customer at your work, 
as you are hanging out with your family, as you are checking out at the grocery store, as you are talking with a friend and you hear of a need, as you run into that old high school buddy, you will encounter people who are struggling, lonely, and in need of hope as you travel. Well, so then what do we do as we encounter these people? Well, what does the Samaritan do? It says he saw him, and then he took pity on him and went to him. So the priest and the Levite, they come, they see, they pass by. The Samaritan comes upon the person, sees, and then is moved, it says in that scripture, with pity. It says the Samaritan took pity. Now, I almost didn't use this translation because I don't really like that word. We don't like that word. We don't want anybody to pity us, you know? We're like, I don't want pity. Most translations say had compassion. See, pity in our culture is not a positive term. It's like you feel so, you're so, felt sorry for, you know? But really, it means this, that there's a sympathetic or a kindly sorrow that happens when you see somebody's struggle, their distress, their misfortune, and then often, this is what the original like, language meant, often that leads to sending relief and giving relief. That is what taking pity means. See, true pity, true compassion will cause us to move. It will cause us to move. I think sometimes we look at the word compassion and we quietly think to ourselves, you either have it or you don't. Right? Some of us, we know those people that are just naturally compassionate people. I think some of the people that are close to me would think that I'm a naturally compassionate person. You know, I just love people. But can I tell you, that's a long story. It hasn't always been that way. It hasn't always been that way. But this is what I want us to, to just hang on to today. You guys, compassion isn't for some of us. It is for all of us. It is not just for a few. It's not just for a few. Now listen, you're not going to show compassion the same way I do, but compassion is for all of us. See, we can come upon a need, we can see the need, and then we have a choice. We have a choice to either move or not to move, to go forward. We can either take the easy way out, or we can take the route that passes by, or we can take the I'm too busy approach, or we can take the pass it off on someone else excuse, or we can take compassion. We can choose compassion. Compassion isn't always a feeling. Sometimes it's a choice. It's a choice. And for those of us who maybe compassion isn't your strong suit, I want us to pray. Pray that God would soften your heart that you would have eyes that see. And can I tell you, an easy, it's not easy, but I love how the man said it, and this is Jesus' command to us, that first we would love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor. You guys, you can't do the first, you can't do the second without the first. I mean, you can, but you're gonna find yourself losing heart. And so the first one, if you're wondering, how do I get compassion? Well, I tell you what, the more you spend time in the presence of Jesus, the more you will learn compassion because his heart will connect with yours. See, compassion, this is what I know, is contagious. And the more you choose to step into it, the more you'll want to do it. 
I sat across the table from someone this week who was like, I used to not be compassionate. I had a hard time with that. But man, Jesus has changed me. How amazing is that? This is, also, this is what I also know about compassion is that it will cost you. Because <laughs> it's kind of clear in the story. Compassion cost the Samaritan. It cost him effort. It cost him time. It cost him money. <laughs> it was inconvenient. It was hard work. He got dirty. He didn't have OxyClean for the blood stains, okay? It was hard work. In church, I want to remind us today that Jesus doesn't, Jesus wants us, listen, wants us to be inconvenienced. We're like, whoa, isn't life with Jesus kind of easy? No, no, no. Life with Jesus is inconvenienced sometimes. <laughs> It is. He's not concerned about your comfort. He wants us to be inconvenienced. He wants us to get to work and to get dirty. And he wants us to do the small things. <laughs> we say this all the time. Let's not overcomplicate loving our neighbor. Listen, love the people who are on your path. Who is on your path? We are surrounded, listen, every single day by people who are stripped of their dignity. They are hopeless. They are helpless. They're paralyzed with fear. They're struggling. They're walking through difficult things and they're just, ah, uh, they're just traveling. And so are you. And sometimes your paths will bump into each other. And guess what? In that moment, we have a choice to love people, to love people like Jesus. We can be, I love this story because it says that, it shows us this, that we can be part of the solution. You know that. Being part of the solution. Guys, the enemy doesn't play fair. You know, the people that you are surrounded with, the people that you bump up next to, the people who look like they have it all together sometimes, guess what? They're the most desperate. And so let us be people who can choose to see and live and love our neighbors. And I wanna tell you a story and I'm gonna give you a little warning. It's a heavy story, okay? So prepare your heart. It's a heavy story, but when I heard it a couple weeks ago, it literally, it rocked me. It's a story in the 1970s in San Francisco, there was an unknown man who walked from his home to the Golden Gate Bridge. And that day, he had one mission just one mission, and that mission was to jump. He was in a dark place, a hopeless, hopeless place. And as he made that journey, he passed person after person, runners and cyclists and moms who were, you know, pushing strollers, hippies, tourists, business professionals, he walked by cafes where people were having a meal. He passed by storefronts. He stopped at traffic lights. He meandered through packed streets. And when he arrived at the bridge, he walked halfway across. And then he climbed the bridge's four-foot safety railing. And he jumped, sadly and tragically, ending his life. And during the course of the investigation, the, one of the people who was assigned to his case 
when they were at his home, they found his journal. And in his journal, his last entry was two sentences. Two short but revealing sentences. And it simply said this, I'm going to walk to the bridge. If one person smiles at me on the way, I will not jump. One person. A smile. One simple smile. As we cross paths, as we bump up next to people, let's not overcomplicate it, okay? Let's not overcomplicate loving our neighbor. Yes, there will be times that it is more extensive than just a smile. But let's not underestimate, listen to me church, let's not underestimate the small acts of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness that we can sow, that we can sow no matter where we go. My own life has been littered with countless stories, countless stories where people have said, thank you for just asking what my name was. Guys, let's not overcomplicate it. Listen, we are called to love our neighbors. And guess what? If you have breath in this place, you have breath watching online, then guess what? You can make a difference. Jesus is just asking us to see people, to see people and to love them. The truth is we all have what it takes to make a difference. And you know what? We also have this. And this is, this is why we don't have to walk around afraid we're going to miss it. It's because we have the Holy Spirit. And when we have received Jesus into our life, the Holy Spirit resides in us. And he's going to show us. And he's going to lead us. And he's going to guide us. So it's not all on you. Do you get that? It's not all on you. At the end of the day, do you know why we love people like this? We love people like this because, guess what? We had our own Good Samaritan. I don't know about you, but Jesus came down to me when I was in my rough spot and he bound up my wounds and he rescued me and he saved me and he left an open-ended tab that no matter what I do, no matter what I struggle with, he's there for me and he's got me. For that reason, that is why we can love our neighbor. We can love those who we bump up next to. I don't know what keeps you from loving people, but can I challenge you today? God is with you. He is for us, and his heart is for us to go and do likewise. So with every head bowed and every eye closed in this moment, I simply want to pray for us that God would give us the courage and the strength and the eyes that see, the spiritual eyes that see the people that are on our path. Church, if not us, then who? Everybody can do something. Dear Heavenly Father, we come boldly into your presence. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for the story of the Good Samaritan. God, I thank you for the example, God, that you give us in your scripture, Lord. God, it's not complicated. Who is in our path? See it and act. And God, I pray that as we, your people, have the Holy Spirit inside of our hearts, God, that we believe that you're going to lead us, that you're going to guide us that you are going to give us exactly what you need in those moments. I pray that you would highlight people, God. I pray that you would um, help us to have eyes that see. 
God, and I pray for those of us who are in this place and those who are watching online who maybe, God, they just need, they just need to be moved with compassion. And God, maybe their heart feels hard and they haven't sensed that in a long time. I pray that not by my words, but by the power of your Holy Spirit today, God, that you would prompt them that your Holy Spirit would take a heart of stone and you would turn it into a heart of flesh today. God, we wanna be a church, God, that are not passers-by, but that we pause and we stop and we do what you've asked us to do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you say you wanna make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of life. We give everybody, every, every time we gather together, we give people an opportunity to do this. You might have just heard about how Jesus even changed my life, how we're just a bunch of normal, everyday people who have met Jesus and he's changed us. And if that's you and you want that relationship with Jesus, man, today is your day. We're gonna say a prayer together. No matter where you're at, you can pray that prayer. And man, today can be the best day of your life, the best start of your life. So let's go ahead and all of us are gonna pray this prayer together in the room so those who are praying it for the first time don't feel alone. Dear Jesus, today I choose to make you the leader and the forgiver of my life. I'm tired of doing things on my own. I choose you. I repent of my sins and I today want to follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give those who prayed that prayer a huge hand clap?